Paul, Jordan. hello. Welcome into a Misfit Fantasy Football. I am not Taylor Reeves, as per last week's usual now episode. I am Jake Dupree, a.k.a. The Commissioner, accompanied by my always very quote-unquote special friend, Chance. Chance, how you doing tonight? Well, I'm excited to have a reoccurring spot in this rotation for the podcast. Yeah, you could tell we were really desperate for people. I know. It's whatever it takes to get in here. I'm, I'm all in. Scraping the bottom of the barrels, splinters <laughs> in the fingernails, but it's fine. It's fine. I'm glad you're along for the ride. All right. So we actually have a couple of things to talk about because some like some quote unquote real football, I guess, happened. Um, one of the bigger things that I think is, could impact, you know, just kind of fantasy aspects and dynasty things is Zach Wilson had a bone bruise and a slightly torn meniscus. And I know slightly and listen, I'm a medical person. I can say this slightly torn meniscus that will require a knee a surgery, but initial timetables are looking at two to four weeks for him to return, um, which basically put his week one status in the air. So question for you is, is it actually that bad for the Jets that Zach Wilson is hurt and might miss a couple weeks? Like, honestly, I want him to get healthy. I want him to be good. But is it that bad? I think if he ends up missing real time, you got to consider it's a slight downgrade. I mean, he's the starter for a reason. At least you hope there's a reason for something like Fingers that. Fingers crossed. But the more I see these preseason games, the more I don't think they matter. Now, training camp matters, obviously. But, no, I don't think him missing two or three weeks, if that's what it ends up being, is really going to make a big difference as far as anybody's rankings or what you perceive players. But if it starts getting into where it gets – delayed and he has a setback and we start missing one two three weeks then obviously then we've got an issue but right now i think it's pretty much a non-issue yeah i'm i'm, I'm with you on this because even though uh you know everyone's i feel like the jets are kind of the last year version of i want to say is it that it's like the lions almost because i know i've yeah. said that about the falcons kind of a trendy team yeah it's like the trendy team where it's like they could be really good, but they're giving themselves plenty of outs because it's all like, it all depends on one person. And unfortunately, that one person is Zach Wilson. Um, so if he does end up, we'll say he misses the first month of the season, the actual real season, who would it impact the most? Because, you know, everyone's hyped for Brees Hall, including me. Everyone's hyped for Elijah Moore. There's Garrett Wilson Love. There's even Corey Davis people out there. They're not many, and they're hiding under the floorboards, <laughs> but they're there. Who does it impact the most? I don't think we can know. I think that's the I think that's the issue here. On all honesty, even with Zach Wilson, I think we have a lot of that questions as well. Because when you look at this, Reese Hall is going off the board and redraft within the first four rounds. Bro, he's the end, he's the end of a third round, he's beginning of the fourth round. round. He's gone up. Eric Wilson's going high in rookie drafts. We know what Elijah Moore is. I mean, we, there are some skill players that are going very high in this offense, but yet the quarterbacks are not ranked highly at all. And so something's sure. not correlating here. So what's inevitably going to happen is one maybe at most two of these guys is going to hit their ADP and the third for sure is going to be way down on what you're expecting out of them the problem is I don't think we're really going to know, know who it is now I think if you got to ask me who I think is most likely to be okay it's going to be Brees because regardless he's going to get the carries and if there's any level of quarterback uncertainty you know they're just going to want to give him the ball as much as possible so I think he's safe. So at that point, I think it comes down to your two receivers. And you're going to ask, which one is it? And when you have a quarterback change, like we discussed with Trey Lance, Shoulder you shrug. never know who's going to be their favorite. Yeah, no, I'm, I am I definitely agree with you. Because I think I heard Dave Richards say something the other day. It's like, if Zach Wilson, and this was before Zach Wilson got hurt, he's like, if he's bad, guess what? That might mean they have to lean on Brees Hall even more. That means Michael Carter's value might even go up. So, like, I definitely agree it's, the rush, the running game for the Jets is probably going to be the exact same. And yes, this is even without um, what's his name just got injured. Giant tackle from Louisville, Mikai Becton. Oh, you talk. I can't. I, th- I can't we'll say it's Mikai Becton. If I'm wrong, then you guys can shame me. I'm fine with that. But then they signed a new left tackle and they switched everyone around. But I, that offensive line is going to be fine. I feel like the run game is going to be okay. Um, so we'll just gonna see what happens i do think the team would be better with zach wilson because he can probably throw the ball a mile and a half down the field but i think this game is still going to be ran through controlling the clock but anyways that's a conversation for another day number two thing that i feel is kind of interesting is Kadarius tony you know got the quote unquote probably won't practice this week tag from brian devil over the weekend and 
no one was really sure what the injury was for a second. Cause I think you said you saw someone say it was a hamstring injury. I think NBC sports edge says it's a knee injury. So like I'm starting to get some red flags pop up about Kadarius. Am I nervous or am I like in a good thinking process? I think you're spot on because when we, like we talked about before we started the show, we both found two different reports on him, both citing two completely different injuries, which is, you know, could be just you know just bad reporting, but it's more likely that maybe this injury isn't you know the main reason why he's missing practice. And with someone who's got a history like Kadarius Tony, even in his very short NFL career, you're always looking at these things as the fact that it could be a red flag, and that's what's so frustrating about him is because we've we've seen the talent he's good. in spurts and in short bursts, and it's amazing, and it's it's you really want to see him flourish, and you think he can, but you got to keep your ear to the ground on every single one of these situations to see what happens because just don't know with someone like this. (laughs) And maybe we get lucky and that pushes ADP further and further in the floor, which can make for a steal, especially in redrafts. But if you've got him in dynasty, the only thing you can do is just hold and hold on. It just turns out to be good. Hold on. Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those, I feel like it's just, it's sketchy because remember he showed up to rookie training camp without any cleats. And this guy's been playing football since he was probably eight years old. The Giants were trying to shop him earlier this offseason. And then suddenly it was, no, we're going to keep him. We were just seeing what was out there. I'm like, no, there's probably some reason behind it. They drafted Wandale Robinson, a guy who a lot of people kind of say, hey, he plays just like Kadarius Tony. What's up with that? So, I mean, I'm not saying what I'm not saying, but I'm just saying this is sus. Just keep an eye on it. Like you said, you know, keep your ear to the ground. Hope you hear something. But also when push comes to shove, it's the Giants. Does it matter that much in the grand scheme of things? <laughs> uh, we'll move into the last question of the news part that kind of deals with some football happenings. Is there anyone in particular that really just opened your eyes and was like, wow, this guy actually made an impact in a preseason game. He might actually get some run with the starters. Or is it all kind of took it what it is? And it can go good or bad. I'll say that. I think I think we'll I'll play this on two sides. I think on the positive sides, the one that everybody's certainly going to jump towards is going to be George Pickens with mm-hmm. that really good toe touch. Looking at you, touch. Bruce. Couple that together with the really positive reviews he's been getting in training camp. I, I read an article yesterday already declaring George Pickens the next great receiver in Steelers floor behind Mike let's, Wallace let's and slow down. Brown and, and, you know, the like. So <laughs> we know what to Good think. Of. But, I mean, it was impressive. Couple that together with the news we've heard. I think all he has is positive momentum. I think it's just you got to see where this goes with ADP. Because if you're somebody right at the end of the first round, someone begin the second kind of like I am, mm-hmm. you want his ADP to stay down as much as possible. We don't want to see this inflate. So – We'll see what happens, but I think he's looked really good. I think the one that everybody else is going to go to on the negative side, you and I had this discussion, is certainly going to be Traylon. It's me. He's talking to me, guys. It sounds bad whenever you play your first preseason game, you don't even get a target. I think we get one target, maybe. He had one target, and then he had, like, one backfield. Yeah, one carry. But this is the part about preseason, and obviously I know we got more stuff to get into. I'm not wanting to get into a big discussion on Traylon. We can do that later. One thing I was able to look at was – Somebody uh, was a video where somebody basically detailed his all 22 footage just from that preseason game. And despite the fact that he didn't get a catch, he basically outlined six or seven different opportunities to where he was wide open on different routes to where he beat his man and did well. And it all is, um, un- is encompassing of whenever you're playing with backups, especially quarterbacks and skill position, you ha- really don't know exactly what's going on because in the context of a receiver like him, you could win your battle and the quarterback may never see you. So all these things, good and bad, I think it's best with preseason to take it with a large grain of salt. Training camp, in my opinion, is always the much more important news coming out because that's far more competitive and meaningful than preseason, in my opinion. That's probably why I'm just salty because I, I do see, I do, I do read more into it than you do, but we'll talk about that later. We'll unleash the <laughs> scrolls again from which we have in our phones. But um no, I definitely, and I do see, I do see that, or I do see, I did see that route that you're talking about where he was like literally standing 20 yards from the 20 yards down the field, standing there like, you know, hands out ready for a pass and not a defender within like 15 yards. Yeah, there was, a, there was um, a couple, there was, there was one go route that you wanted and then there, 
the Titans were trying to win the game with 16 seconds. He does a little out and up. Yes. And they're playing prevent. I don't know what they're doing, but anyway, he gets behind the coverage. Could easily get touchdown to win that game, and Malik just didn't see him. So things like that, always do as much digging as you can to get context on these. Oh, games. that's why it's because of Malik Willis. He can't throw anyways. <laughs> He's getting good. Talk about a guy that's ADP is going up. He was already getting <laughs> reviews after that. And I will say, this is the dangerous thing about preseason games is because once you your eyes see them in that professional jersey playing against other quote-unquote professional players, like, guys, oh, yeah. this is like a fifth-string cornerback they're running, you know, a slant well, against. And I'm glad you're mentioning This is my PSI out to everybody listening. Granted, I know a lot of our league members listen to this, so maybe I don't want you to listen to this, but <laughs> if you're an experienced and a knowledgeable fantasy player, you want your league mates to – grab on to these players that flash in the preseason. Mm-hmm. It's not that, that doesn't it doesn't mean anything, but it's that you want people's ADPs to get highly inflated beyond what their true value is. Yep. Which only means valuable players are going to fall to you. So more power to anybody that's taking yep. a lot of stock in preseason. Listen, you're you're preaching the choir because I'm the same way. Like I see this hype about like George Pickens, who by the way he got to play more because Chris Claypool or Chris, good God, Chase Claypool and Deonta Johnson did not play. And then whenever you even flip it over to uh, Traylon Burks, like that one is more concerning, but still it's like he had, he was on the field for a lot of the game. Um, like he was there until the fourth quarter. So he's at least getting reps kind of like we have talked about and stuff like that. But like, I see these things happen, like with George Pickens, the buzz around Jahan Dotson, even uh, like, you know, Brian Robinson. I mean, he scored a touchdown over the weekend after an Antonio Gibson fumble. Yes, I know. I said it, it hurts me a little bit, but it's fine. <laughs> but I mean, his ADP is now going to like, there's going to be value that will fall just because of a couple of preseason plays. And the fact that this is already happening after just week one, brace yourselves. There's going to be someone who comes from like probably round three right now in rookie drafts is probably going to end up being a mid two by the end of preseason. Just saying, I hope it's not the guy that I want because I will not be able to draft him, but I'm not going to say his name because most people should already know who it is. But I digress. So kind of like we hinted at last week, um, we kind of feel like the dynasty running back is kind of coming to like the end of an era, if you will, because like Zeke Elliott's 27, Dalvin Cook's 27, CMC's 26, an old 26, I will throw that out there. Austin Eckler's 27, Derrick Henry's 28, Kamara's 27, Aaron Jones is going to be 28. And these guys are like just strongholds of fantasy football lore. Because, like, for the past five, six years, you've been able to use some combination of these names and attain fantasy glory. But now, from a dynasty perspective, they're kind of at that age to where you might consider cashing in. I know I've cashed in on Dalvin Cook um, this offseason. And so, like, it's just, do these, do any of these names, like, do you feel like they have one or two years left? Or are you kind of, like, cash out while you can? And I know so, this is very situational dependent. Sure, sure. But well, like, that was going to be the first place I go yeah. is, is- – it totally depends on where you're at because in a start with like Zeke, for instance, I think most people view that this is probably his last good year potentially. And it's not even, no, it's not even just with his age and his wear and tear. It's that do we really think that Dallas is going to bring him back or that he's going to come back for a far cheaper contract mm-hmm. that they'll probably offer him. So he's more likely to go somewhere else. It's probably not as good of a situation offensively, at least with the offensive line. Um, I don't know. So After those, this year and the, the Cowboys' losses of the offensive line, it could get better. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and you got to keep that part in mind. And so that's where it gets tricky. Is you got to ask yourself the question: How long do I think these guys have left? Because that's really what's going to change your trajectory as far as the dynasty outlook. And that's the difficulty here, in my opinion, is it just seems like the running back position, the longevity, just continues to go down year after year. I mean, whenever. Me, I first started getting the fantasy, which has been six, seven years mm-hmm. from before now. It seemed like running backs could make it to kind of 30, which their crest before things go down. Yeah, now it, it's felt, it felt really like it was like 28 to 29. And then, like you're about to say, it's like now it's like what, 26? You start questioning 26, 27, about right where these guys are, where you have to start seriously considering their futures. And so that's where you may even, even if you're not even fully sold on it, you might fish these guys out there and just see what somebody's willing to give you. Because the best thing you can do in my mind is have your set value for this person, even if it's pretty lofty. See if somebody's willing to meet it. If they're not, that makes the decision easy for you. Hold them and see what you get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, see, and like, I'll but, even throw back to like to my own situation where I did is because 
Like I knew that coming into the previous season, 2021 season, that I had one or two years left because I had Austin Eckler, I had Dalvin Cook, I had, you know, kind of a bunch of like older expiring running backs who would be the absolute engine of my team. The season came and went, didn't make um, championships, whatever, stuff happens, already cried those tears. Then coming in this offseason, like I looked at myself in the mirror and it's, okay, if I can get for Dalvin, I was thinking at least, you know, a running back in return and a first, I would do it. I, for Austin Eckler, it was kind of the same thing. Well, I ended up essentially flipping at the time. It was a great deal. Okay. It was Antonio Gibson and the 107 for Dalvin. That was a part of a package deal, basically. And then also for Austin Eckler, I flipped him for the 101. But like, I know in retrospects, I probably wouldn't have taken Antonio Gibson because it kind of makes me a little sad, but he's still been a top 12 running back for two years, including last year, whenever he yeah. played on a broken leg. I digress. I feel like that's the kind of value you're like you're looking for. It's not necessarily like that like that high of a value, but you're just looking for whatever you can get that you feel comfortable with your dynasty roster. Right. Well, and I think where this comes into play here is the discussion between dynasty and redraft because dynasty and this is this is kind of consistent across all aspects of dynasty thing. There's just not as much movement because you're keeping these players long term. Where I think this matters even a little bit more is redraft because let's mm-hmm. take an example with you is. Strictly because of Derrick Henry's age and his previous injury history, you are somebody that's lower on Derrick Henry than other people. Mm-hmm. But because you only got to keep him for one year, somebody else may buy it and say, hey, I think he's going to be the same old guy. I've got him for this year. I don't think he's going to get injured. Boom, I'm taking him RB2 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get opportunity that if that's what you think and that's what you believe, you can take you can take have an opportunity to maybe get him further back than you would have otherwise because other people don't believe in him. And that's really where it's going to come down to in redraft is you. everybody's asking those questions on all of these guys, especially CMC <laughs> is a great question. Yeah. If, if you tell me that Christian McCaffrey is healthy for 13 games this year, so he misses four, but he's fully healthy for 13, 101 yeah. easily. And that's, that's the questions we're asking here. But I think it gets into a further discussion as to just team building in general mm-hmm. that – for me, for instance, I'm not recommending this to everybody else, but for me, I have a lot of turnover in my running backs on the two leagues where I am in, currently in rebuilding mode because I know that whenever I finally get to the point to where I think I'm ready to compete, I need to have young running backs because it doesn't mean no good right now to have somebody who's 26, 27, 28 mm-hmm. when it's going to be two years before I'm ready anyway. So these are the questions you need to be asking yourself at this moment. Yeah, because I feel like, especially like with Dynasty, whenever you know you're ready to compete is whenever your running back position is top in the league. If your running back position is like one of the top three in your league, I feel like that's whenever you make aggressive trades to try to acquire the wide receiver talent or whatever else you need to try to make that a championship roster. But if you find yourself in more of a rebuild, but yet you still have like you have a CMC or a Zeke or a Dalvin, you're finding those teams who are competing or think they will compete to flip him because I think the wide, like you said, the running back shelf life is averaging. I think it's like three years of use basically. And then they taper down wide receivers. They last for like seven, eight years. A lot of time, like friends, like, you know, I have Jamar chase in every league, eat your heart out, Taylor. Um, he's going to be on my roster pretty much until he retires or until something significantly changes. And that's probably like the next eight to nine years worth of whatever I'm going to get from him. So there's also just that constant value game. And you, another thing is, is you have to be brutally honest with yourself, with your dynasty roster standing. If you are like middle of the pack constantly, you need to either tear it down or trade everything that you can to be competitive. Because being in the middle is like the worst place you can possibly be. You're never necessarily getting a high enough pick that you can better your team. You're never really competing for a championship. So you're just always stuck in the middle. Right. And one last thing I'll say on this is – is you need to understand what where everybody else's value is in these players. Because, mm-hmm. for instance, with me, and this is TBD, this may turn out to be terrible, but I'm somebody <laughs> who traded away Jonathan Taylor, who obviously is both young and fantastic. But you got a crap moment. ton. But somebody backed up the Brinks truck, and when somebody's willing to give you three, four first-round picks plus players, whatever – then you've got to be able to take the stance and say, hey, am I really in a place where I can win right now anyway with this player? Or am I better off getting these future picks, which in my case was a no Yeah, because you got like three ones, two twos, and a three, right? I got three ones, Brendan Ayuk, and a couple twos. Yeah, so. and like 
even even me, who I was kind of in that sweepstake, I was considering like the 101, my next year one, and something else for him. I was like, no, I'm still close enough to competing. I think I can do it. I'll be okay. But but for Colby, who made that trade, mm-hmm. he won the championship last yep. year. He's reloading. He's going again. And so it works out for both parties to where he knows where his team's at right now. And I know where mine's at. And yep. we're not in the same place. And so he needs to have them, and I need his picks. <laughs> And now I, now I want, want one of those 2023 ones. Anyways, so who are some possible younger running backs that you can see, like, filling that gap? Because remember, like, Zeke, Dalvin, CMC, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, and Aaron Jones, that's seven names. No, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> I was right. Seven names that of all of those guys, you can see finishing as, like, a top 12 running back this year. So that means next year, like if probability holds true, my guess is probably five of these guys will not be a top 12 running back. So I got some just some young names here. Just going to throw them out there. And you can also just think of some that you think could refill, refill this kind of gap. Like, so there's Najee Harris, who's 24. He's an old old second-year player, but it is what it is. Elijah Mitchell is the same way. Then Javonta Williams is 22. DeAndre Swift, 23. I'll throw in Brees Hall, Ken Walker, both 21. ETN, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. CEH are all 23, and then J.K. Dobbins is 24. Like, I feel like, yes, I know there's a lot of names, but those I feel like are the top, like, six-ish guys that I could see refill those spots. But, I mean, do you have any favorites running back just that you can see slide up to be that next elite tier? And I know, like, we're not talking about Jonathan Taylor because he's already there, okay? He doesn't count. Well, I think whenever you're looking at these players, the questions that you have to ask yourself is, who among this pool of players has – the talent they can be a bell cow back. And then you have to ask a question, who is in a situation where I think the coaching staff would allow them to be that. And those are probably the two major factors you're looking at here. And so when I look at the list of names that you stated, people that jump off the page for me, believe it or not, is like a Ken Walker. Now I know this first year, not great. Rashad Penny's here. We know what he is, but with the, the, the way that Seattle wants to play offense, they want to run the ball a ton and he somebody doesn't who, know what a pass first offense is. No, he doesn't. Why do you think Russell Wilson's not there anymore? <laughs> um, and so, you know, Ken Walker was somebody that I loved his tape coming out of college. So that's a plus for me. Can he catch the ball? TBD, Michigan's taking <laughs> that opportunity. But my point withstanding is that we know they want to run the ball. I think he's uber talented and he's young. That's somebody I want to, you know, hitch my wagon to, so to speak. Javante Williams, another guy. I know Melvin Gordon's holding on, but you got to believe this is probably the last mm-hmm. year that he'll be He's in the pitcher. And then another name that's not like an elite guy, but a guy who has been very good for fantasy who's probably about to age out. Right. And then another person in this list that would be on the opposite end of the spectrum, even though I like them a lot, I have them on at least one, I think maybe two rosters, like a J.K. Dobbins. I think he's uber-talented. We've only seen him play one year. He's obviously towards ACL mm-hmm. last year, missed all of last season. But from what we've seen from the Ravens, Combined with the fact that Lamar Jackson gets a lot of carries, they don't seem like the organization that's going to give the ball to one guy a lot. So while he's uber talented, I think his real ceiling at this point is right at that high end RB2, yeah. maybe the lowest of low RB1s. And so those are the things, you know, we got to look at here. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen like once again, like I'm in lockstep with that, especially with J.K. Dobbins, because unless he gets, I feel like it's 10 to 12 touchdowns he's not going to return that high-end value because those touches are going to Lamar Jackson. It's going to, you know, Gus Edwards when he's healthy. I mean, look at last season. They were excited that they had Gus Edwards after J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL and uh, some other ligaments. They were like, okay, that sucks. That's bad, but we have Gus Edwards, a guy who's been suspended. They've re-signed. Like, he's been through crap, but yet he's still on that team. They love him. Um, you know, I got, I feel like I'm going to mention two specific people. One of them, you know who it is, Cam Akers. I feel like he has the opportunity. There's been reports coming out of camp that he's got his burst back and he's looking good. Um, and my thing is something else that I kind of look at is the team that they're on, the offense that they're on. Like, is that a good offense? If it, yes, that's a check in their favor. So that means they're going to have a lot of touchdown scoring opportunities. So Cam Akers, I feel like is definitely a guy. And I'll echo what you said about Javante Williams. Once Melvin Gordon's gone, I feel like he's going to be, you know, a top three pick in pretty much every redraft and every dynasty startup. I think about before the news came out that Melvin Gordon was coming back. That's where he, he was, was a going. first round redraft. Going. Yep. So you want to you want to look in the crystal ball? There's your crystal ball right there. Yep. And so kind of like as we bring this little conversation to a close a little bit, um, give you a couple seconds here. 
Is there any guy that's in the old but good tier that you can see lasting till he's like 28, 29, 30? I mean, if I had personally, I see CMC just because he catches the ball. And that's pretty much the primary thing because he can stick around and be at least a third down chumper for a while. Surprisingly enough, Dalvin is a guy that I could see have another two or three good years. Stay healthy. With, with, with him, uh, yeah, right. And that's the thing is, is that he's always injured, but he never gets significantly injured. He's, mm-hmm. he's missing two, three, four games for the most part. But as far as him wearing and t- like, he has not seen a decline as far as his production or his athleticism. We really haven't seen that. He's been as productive as ever, and that's what we're projecting him this year as well. He's in an offense that we believe yep. is going to be far more explosive now. Um, and so yeah. if he could stay healthy, I, I could buy into the fact that he'd have another one, two, three years. Yeah. Conversely, Zeke's going the opposite way to where it seems like he's just <laughs> he's about to going crook. down a hill and it's not coming <laughs> back. And those are two that are on opposite ends of the spectrum for me. But, uh, well, hang out with us. We're going to go to a mock draft after this. We'll catch you guys after the break. Hit that little fast forward twice if you want to. At myself. Hello, future me. I'm glad you slowed down at the stop sign this time because this time the person probably didn't flip you off. So good job to you. But welcome back to the second half where we're about to jump right into a rookie mock draft with my co-host, the very quote-unquote special chance. He is here with us. Um, I'm not being selfish. He said I can have the one-on-one because he knows like it's just a slam dunk. He doesn't have to guess. Very nice guy. Sure. That's what I will say too. (laughs) Um, But at the one-on-one, it's going to be Brees Hall. And nothing has changed, even with the Mikai Becton injury, even with Zach Wilson potentially missing time. As a dynasty roster, you're looking at the long-term play. I feel like Brees Hall is the best player from this draft. Um, what I will gingerly say is if you are stacked at running back and you're at the 101 or have the 101 for God for some god-awful reason, I wouldn't blame you for taking Drake London, but I don't think that's the right move because the top three is you take the best player available and – Brees Hall is the best player that is available. Now, I would, I would restate that. If you get the one on one, I almost it doesn't matter what your need is. Mm-hmm. Always take the best. Guy. It's whoever is the best guy ever. Because imagine, you know, if you would have taken, oh, who's the, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to look at who the best wide receiver was after Saquon Barkley. If you were like a team who's just rolling with it, I can't remember. That uh, what was the speedster out of Cincinnati? The if, if John Ross went that high, something was wrong. He was up there. Maybe I don't think it was that high, but he that was 2019, 2018, something like that. But but anyways, so Brees Hall one on one super flex two quarterback leagues. Um, any dynasty draft, he should be the first guy going off the board. Gents, you said that you wanted the one on two because it's conflicting. Well, conversate about your confliction. See what I did there? Alliteration. Well, I think they're both almost equal in value to me, which is where I think it makes your choice easy that depending on your need, I think that's where you now can make that choice, whether it's Drake Leonard, Ken Walker. I know for me in some other leagues, I'm currently trying to acquire that 102 because I want Ken Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that if I want to get him, I have to get the 102 because whoever has that, I think is coming down to this decision. Do you want the yeah. best wide receiver or do you want the 1A running back so i think for the purposes of this i'll take drake london because i if i'm putting him head to head with with assuming all things equal i think he's just slightly ahead of ken walker but i wouldn't bat an eye if somebody told me they took um ken walker at the 102 but here i'm taking drake london by the way i looked it up the the next i'll say the next two wide receivers was michael gallup was at one point in time the 105 <laughs> Really? And then Calvin Ridley was the 106 in our Ooh. OG league draft. Because um, remember, I think at that time, it was like on the Cowboys roster, they didn't really have a, a one. No, he looked good. I remember yeah. trying to get him back then. But anyway, so imagine if you took Michael Gallup over Saquon. Now, Calvin Ridley probably would have worked out. I would spot you that one. But I would probably rather have Saquon than Michael Gallup, even after all the shenanigans oh, yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, so after your pick of Drake London at 102, 103 minutes, it's not rocket science. It's Ken Walker. Um, and like you said, I feel like I feel like the draft is in very distinct tiers. There is a very clear tier one, Brees Hall. I don't care what league it is or what type or level league settings or what you need. It's Brees. But I feel like tier two is very distinctly Drake London, Ken Walker. Not necessarily in that order, just they're about the same. And then tier three is where it gets interesting because I feel like you have about 
I'm going to say five yeah. to six ish names that you yeah. could almost swap interchangeably. And I'll understand, especially based off of whatever your you know team situation is like. So, Jens, you're. This is where it gets really fun, like you mentioned, that 104 at about 109. Mm-hmm. Every single draft, I think, total crapshoot as far as who's yeah. going to take what because I think it's all kind of one big meh, meh <laughs> at this point. And, and not necessarily in a terrible way, but they're all similar tier. It's just like as of this point, no one's necessarily separated themselves enough to you know deserve to be the 104 right, right. or like to have that like mainstay above it. I think, I think a lot of people at this point – are probably deciding between the two former Buckeye receivers at the 104, whether it's Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. For me, when I'm looking at who's who's available at the 104, I'm looking for who has the lowest risk. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Garrett Wilson for me. That Even though we, we had talked about how much of a mess this Jets offense could be from the standpoint of they have every piece in place except the quarterback, which mm-hmm. is a big deal. In the context of a dynasty outlook, I think he's too good of a player and he's going to be around for too long to where he's not going to produce. So, And I love his tape. So for that reason, he'd be my, my 104 this month. And plus, because uh, remember, one, yeah, 104. 104. And plus, cause remember, like last year, I remember we were having conversations about like teams who were just a quarterback away, like Denver was one of them. Look what happened. They got Russell Wilson. Last year, if you would have acquired Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy or even Tim Patrick at the time, you would be doing freaking cartwheels because now all of a sudden Cortland Sutton's being talked about as like a third round redraft wide receiver, especially now that Tim Patrick's injured. And so like, imagine if, and I'll even say this, like imagine if it's Jimmy G there next year, I think New York Jets players and like the managers on their dynasty squads who have those players on it, you're excited for that because it's just a competent quarterback who can show up. I mean, even Baker Mayfield with the DJ Moore, I mean, I got excited when it was Baker Mayfield. Okay. Well, I would say that say this say the season goes off the rails. Zach Wilson's bad season goes in the tank. Say they get a high draft spot for next year. Zach best for quarterbacks is amazing. So mm-hmm. things can turn on a dime for this. So even, even that's the thing with Dynasty. You gotta have patience. This is a guy that's got talent. Don't miss the talent. Exactly. Uh, 105, basically, I I'm not considering Traylon Jance. I know you want me to, but I can't do it. Uh, genuinely, I feel like it's between Chris Olave, Jameson Williams. And this is where we come into another conversation. It's like Jameson Williams, arguably a lot of people are saying he's the most talented draft, you know, wide receiver in this draft class. And then he tore his ACL in a championship game. And now he might not play until November, December, but you look at it from a dynasty perspective. Like I know people bag on the lions and on Jared Goff, but a, the lions this year, I think probably will contend for a playoff spot. Remember that Jared Goff, for three years, I believe, was a quarterback one, including a stint as where he's like the number five quarterback overall. That was with like Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods, I believe. He can produce fantasy goodness. Okay, I'm not calling him freaking, you know, Josh Allen or something, but he can be a dang good quarterback. So that's why I think at the 105, I'm going to actually take Jamison Williams because of that, the long-term upside of when he comes back and even next year, seeing what this team could be because I think Dan Campbell, you know, AKA Papa Patel has got that team on the right track. And so I think that him playing in yes, a dome for pretty much every freaking game he's going to play is going to benefit him and starting, you know, November, December, is it going to suck to have to wait while, you know, you have Drake London, Garrett Wilson making plays and those managers getting excited. Yeah. But then also remember if he's healthy, he's probably going at the one Oh two. So take the value when you can, if your team will allow it, like for instance, if you're a, a competing team who for some reason trades up and you have like the 104, 105, and Jamison Williams is sitting there, perfect draft acquisition. I would love that. I think for the 106, this is where I take Traylon. My thinking here, I know he's there's a wide <laughs> range of thoughts See, regarding this. Him. Is where we have a conversation. <laughs> well, and this is when I get to the 106, despite the concerns that people have from the early training camp reports and the preseason game, if you're really into that is even with all that said, and this is my opinion is that I think, I think he's got the potential that he could still be the best player in this entire draft of the people that are remaining. I can't say that for really any of them, in my opinion, that's not to say any of them can't, I'm just saying realistically scenarios. I don't see it. And so if I get to the 106 
and I have the opportunity to take somebody whose top outcome could be the best player in this draft because of his talent and his ability, I'm going to take it, and that's who I think he is. And so it could be a total bust. But if it works out, you're getting a steal at the 106. And so as we talked about already, some negative reports, some negative talking points, all it's done is suppress his ADP. And if you're someone that believes in him, he's going to fall right in your lap in this 106, 107 range. I would could not be happier if I'm somebody in that range. And we're just going to pause right here for a second because this is where we, we had a long, lengthy conversation about Traylon. So Jance is obviously a Traylon believer like I am not. And I said that from the offseason after I watched some film of him. While I will definitely agree and say that he has probably one of the highest ceilings, I think he also has the lowest floor. Like we're talking Doriel Green Beckham levels of floor to where he's in the league for two years and then he tries out tight end and then he's gone. Um, So, and like, for instance, for me, what I look at, and this is just also, you know, you'll hear two different kind of processes of how we do things. I looked at the preseason game and I'm like, he didn't get to play until it's like the midway through the second quarter, right? And then, and that was that was behind a UDFA Kyle Phillips who was running slot with the first team. He played into the fourth quarter, garnishing only one target and having only one little end around, which took for four yards. And I do see the routes where he was open downfield, and I think if it was a more of a pocket passer presence, that's not Malik Willis. He probably gets those targets and gets those looks. But it's still, I can still claim the fact that that didn't happen. I feel like there's still some like warning flags. And especially for me, it's he basically came off of, came onto the field as like the sixth wide receiver. And this is coming in with how he had conditioning issues in the spring about how in camp he's lining up in the wrong spots and how he's running the wrong routes. And I mean, I, I understand he's a rookie, but I feel like a first round guy who they put, invested a lot of this into. And I know it's kind of working a point to your favor that still raises some questions for me as a dynasty manager. And if I'm at that point, I'll go ahead and make my 107 here just because I'm at this point. Like I would have taken Chris Olave over Traylon Burks, which I'll take here at 107 just because of that safety, the stability, the fact that I know he's going to play and I know he's probably going to be, you know, a mid wide receiver too for the duration of his career. That's fine. That's a home run draft pick. So this is where I feel like, you know, you want to see, and it's also the type of dynasty manager you are. Like if you're looking for the long-term stability, Traylon's probably not going to be your guy. If you're definitely the boom, bust, pray to God it works. And if it works, you probably have a banger of a pick. But if it doesn't work, you just flush it down the toilet. Traylon Burks is probably the guy. But that's where your player evaluation comes into play. Because of me, mm-hmm. I am probably as low as anybody on Chris Olave, which is not to say I'm low. I think he's great. I think he could be offensive rookie of the year. I wouldn't be shocked in the least. It's just for me, when I looked at his profile, I don't see him as somebody that profiles to end up being a top five fantasy receiver, for instance. And so throughout your draft process, you're always weighing how much do I want to look into the peak? You know, who could end up on the highest end of this and who is the safer floor? And that's where, like you mentioned, that's where everybody in this draft process has got to ask themselves a question depending on what spot they're at. Mm -hmm. Do I want to go for safety? Do I want to go for high upside here? And that's the beauty of the draft. Um, And I even feel like that's where this middle mushy tier that we're talking about, that's where you're going to see the person, like the evaluator come out of every draft pick that's made because you're going to see the more aggressive person probably draft trail on up at 104. No one's going to bat an eye at it. Like I, even I get it. I'm here for it. I understand. I wouldn't. And that's why I wouldn't draft him very high because I see the floor and I just, I'm just kind of looking for that stability. You are one in the home run, which is awesome, which is fine, which is great. It's just two people building teams differently. And guess what? Both Neither way is wrong. Both, both ways are right and both ways are wrong in their own ways. This 108 gets really tough for me because I, I think the pick that I want to go with and more than likely will go with is going to be James Cook. Um, the difficulty in it is I just don't know how I feel about him because I – in me watching his tape and following his career at Georgia, he was fine, but it, he wasn't really somebody that left off the page to me. He goes to a situation with a very productive offense, which is great, despite the fact there's somebody more established in front of him. But I just see two totally different outcomes. I could see him being strictly a third-down specialist. He's great at catching the ball, gets the occasional carry, which is has its own place. But once again, talking about ceiling and floor, that's mm-hmm. a guy whose ceiling is totally capped if that's what he ends up being. Yeah. 
But we also got to go back in time that even though they're not exactly the same size, he profiles similar to an Alvin Kamara type who mm-hmm. didn't have the greatest collegiate performance or statistics behind him. But once he got into a productive offense and was able to show his skill set, became a three down back and was fantastic. And that's what some people think the James Cook can be. So you got to ask yourself, <laughs> what side of the coin do you fall on that? I'm kind of in the middle. I could see either outcome. But just because running back is really thin in this draft and the receivers at this point are somewhat unknown, I think he'd be my 108 just because you know it. he's going to have a pretty safe floor in an elite offense. And that's the thing that I feel like people are going to like, they're making that comparison of people who are taking the ceiling is saying he is Alvin Kamara because when Alvin Kamara was drafted, he went to a good team because they had Drew Brees at quarterback. They were always in the playoffs. They were always pushing to make a run for the Super Bowl. They were great. The, the Bills, people are going to argue, is kind of the same situation. Third running back on the depth chart when AK was drafted. James Cook looks like he's currently third on the depth chart behind Devin Singletary, Zach Moss for now. So the, the similarities are definitely there, but like I, I agree with you. I kind of see him profiling as closer to that continual third down back that, yeah, he can probably – top out at eight to 10 carries if people are injured. But, you know, that's just – that's kind of where it stops. If he told me – I know, once again, size is not comparable in frame, mm-hmm. but if he told me he profiled and would have, like, a Darren Sproles career, like, mm-hmm. that would make me even happier. Because yeah. even though it's not the ceiling, you're like, that's a guy I could feel very confident in my RB2, especially in a PPR league, I would take him one away for sure. <laughs> that's the kind of career I think he could have. Uh, moving to the 109 here, uh, currently we have basically left on the boards like Christian Watson by ADP still here. I'm telling you right now, I ain't taking him. Sky Moore is coming up. Currently, guys getting a lot of hype, Damian Pierce, and then another hype trains, George Pickens. And Jance, this is this is where, like, does will the hype rise these guys high enough? Like, for instance, we'll say Damian and George Pickens both come out and have halfway decent but nothing special preseason games two and three. Are they going to vault themselves to the 17108 conversation or are they going to stay behind kind of in this tier? Well, and that's the thing is one through this first week of preseason games, I don't think anybody in this tier did anything to hurt their case. I think some guys maybe vaulted themselves up a little bit, mm-hmm. but I don't think we've, we're going to see the movement that we really thought we might because pretty much everybody in this tier, except for Christian Watson, who's obviously injured, not playing right now all had relatively good performances. So uh, I feel like they all had at least one play that you could look at and go, that was pretty solid. Like Sky Moore, he had a great toe tap catch on the sideline. Damian Pierce, like honestly, he watching that film, he (laughs) looked pretty good. Uh, George Pickens, he had the solid catch in the corner. Um, Then you have, you know, reports on Isaiah Spiller, Jahan Dotson, Rashad White looked good. Tyrell Algier looked good. I mean, Alec Pierce, he had a couple of good things he did, like, and that's going all the way down like another eight picks. Um, but here at the 109, I think I would probably, yeah, I'll take Sky more just because I feel like the potential, once again, dynasty. You look at next season, he very well could be probably the number one or number two target for Pat Mahomes. I don't need to say anything else. Even if he's not that great, if he's just the number one or number two target for Pat Mahomes, he will return that 109 value. Well, I think for me, I've always thought of Sky more that profiles closer to like a Julian Edelman type. That's just mm-hmm. my comp, which is a guy that's probably never going to be your alpha one. But if he's a really awesome two in an elite offense, which is exactly what the Chiefs are, that's a mid-tier wide receiver two all yep. day, every day, which Sign you would kill to get at the 109. So that's that's a good pick. At the 110 – Talking about guys that are vaulting themselves up, I think <laughs> this is where I would probably take Damian Pierce. Uh-huh. Now that come the reason why I could feel that way is that's somebody that you and I both liked coming out of college, watching Loved this him. film. I wanted him and, to go to Miami so bad. Yeah, and and with his training camp, which he's been getting rave reviews, really good preseason game, which most of the time I could care less, but it only reiterates what we've already heard. And he's despite the fact that it's not a great situation, there's nobody. That we can, that we really see that's going to stop him from getting 15 touches weekly. So no. when you're getting all those things, it's hard not to take him <laughs> at the 110 because there's immediate production there to be had. And if you believe in the talent, then you know why can't he be an RB one yeah. in the future? And it's, and plus, like if Lovey Smith sticks around in Houston long enough, I trust Lovey. He's a great coach. Okay, if he sticks around, he likes using one running back. 
aka Matt Forte. That was a guy for a long time that some of you young whippersnappers need to go look up. Matt Forte was a beast. But Damian Pierce, I feel like he's – I don't even feel like he's necessarily in danger of losing his role like next season unless some um, absolute amazing value falls in their lap or something absolute sideways happens in free agency. I can even see at least like, you know, two-year stability to where if he has a great rookie year, you trade him for a first-round pick maybe, and guess what? You get out of the situation just in case. Well, and the Texans have so many need, needs. In most cases, running back – is a spot you're taking high in the draft whenever you got luxury opportunity. And like, I was even shocked that they took him in the fourth round. Like, why? If the Texans are smart in the future with the holes they have everywhere else, and say Damian Pierce does have a very productive rookie season, he should be low on the list of guys to start trying to replace on that team. Now, I will say the dangerous thing you said there was if the Texans are smart. Well, they did Just, get rid of Deshaun Watson, which looks smarter every day. Every day. We won't even talk about that. Good God. But anyway, so now at the 111, um, Christian Watson's still here. I'm not taking him. I'm just letting you guys know because, like I've said in pretty much every rookie mock that I've been in, that you and I hated his tape pre-draft after he got drafted. Didn't care. It's the same situation. Oh. Like, it's just like, meh. But if there's one, if there's one anomaly in this draft that may not be representative of your drafts at home, this is the one player that is probably <laughs> not because you and I are on the same thought process as far as Christian Watson. So for that reason, he's going to fall in this draft. I still think in most drafts, somebody's going to take him at the end of this, the very end of this first round, at the very minimum, top of round two. Just so because, keep that in mind. Just because I mean, someone's going to see. Well, he could be Aaron Rodgers' one for even just one year. That could be all I need. I'm going to take him at the 107, 108. And you know what? If I'm in, I hope I'm in your dynasty draft. I'm going to say, you know what? Godspeed to you, <laughs> sir or madam, because I, I have fun with that. It's all I got for you. Um, honestly, for me, I'm kind of have a difficult decision between, I feel like it's George Pickens and Jahan Dotson. The drumbeat for Jahan Dotson all offseason has just been, he's making great plays all over the place that Carson Wentz loves throwing to him, that he all, he's always open. Um, so, I mean, and on that team, he has, he currently very well could be the number one because it's a new quarterback. Do I think he will beat Terry McLaurin? Probably not. But once again, new quarterback, you never know. And I've talked myself into it. I've told everyone <laughs> pre-draft that I love Jahan Dotson. I wanted him to go somewhere useful. He kind of did, but I'm going to take Jahan Dotson at the 111 and not feel bad about it. Well, that, I'm glad that you took him because that's where it gets tricky for me with John Dodson. Is like you, I love his talent. Mm-hmm. Really liked what I saw in film. My difficulty is asking myself how high is his ceiling in the Commanders' offense? Not with anything to do with him, mm-hmm. because like you mentioned, Carson Wentz, you know, save for the one elite MVP caliber year in Philadelphia, has not produced high quality fantasy. Michael receiver. Pittman was number 17 last year. Thank you very much. Sure, but that was mostly based on <laughs> not getting injured in totality. I'm fine with that. That counts. But uh, for that reason, like you mentioned, Tamar Corn in front of him, that's where it gets tricky because I love the talent. I just don't know the ceiling. So for me, if I had the 111, I would have taken George Pickens. I don't have the 111. I have the 112, but he's still there. So I take him. George Pickens goes back to a guy that I really like his tape, felt that he's got the body type and the size in combination of speed to be that alpha one. And, you know, going back – to high school, this is a five-star prospect coming out of high school. Comes into Georgia, total stud. If it's not for his Injuries. ACL injury, yeah. then he's probably a top three or four receiver yeah. in this class. And so all those things put together, another guy with a stellar training camp, quarterback situation's not great. The <laughs> difference for me between him and John Dotson as far as opportunity is that I think he can be the one in this offense yeah. – Whereas I think Jahan's a little limited in that. So for me, I love uh, George Pickens at the one uh, twelve. Yeah, I feel like George Pickens, he definitely has like the body type that can fit any offense because pretty much every offense is going to need the big, strong, fast guy who can run run the outside routes. Jahan Dotson's definitely more of a system guy. Like, for instance, you know, that's why I felt like Calvin Ridley was as successful as he was was because he had Julio on the outside who was taking my coverage and also it was a system where Matt Ryan was constantly looking for those crossing patterns and just kind of those quick hitters, which Calvin Ridley was very good at. Uh, just to recap the first round at 101, we had Brees Hall, then Drake London, Ken Walker, Garrett Wilson at the 104, Jamison Williams, 105, then Trey Burks, 
Chris Olave, James Cook, Sky Moore, Damian Pierce. And once again, like we feel like that 104 to 109, you can almost put it in a blender, mix it up, and throw it out there. And it's going to be about right no matter how it comes out. Uh, then when Damian Pierce, Jahan Dotson, George Pickens to round out the first round, the 201, where you're still in the same tier. Yep. <laughs> um, like Isaiah Spiller, Rajad White, Tyler Algier, Alec Pierce, David Bell. It's too early for me to take Trey McBride. Um, like I'm, I would even consider putting Jalen Tolbert in the conversation just because the opportunity that's being presented. I mean, I wouldn't take him at the preseason game. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch any Cowboys preseason? A little bit. Good enough. Jalen Tolbert. <laughs> but somebody, things going in different directions. His camp reports have been really good. Yeah. But his On preseason field, game. Gross. Terrible, but I will spot him. They were playing ball. in the altitude. Okay, maybe that was getting stopped to his him head. from catching a ball right in his chest on a three yes, slant. It did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think at the two and one, kind of like we were talking about uh, pre-show, that I am going to take Rashad White. I feel like he did very good to up his status with what I saw from the game the other night, and I'm just I'm all here for it. Well, you're not you're not a Leonard Fournette believer, so that yeah, that's true. That goes hand in hand. Yep. And for me, this is this is. This is the running back run Isaiah right Spiller. at the beginning of the second round. Do what? Isaiah Spiller is who you're going to take. Yeah, well, that, that's the question, whether it's – you know, you obviously took him, but whether it's Rashad White or Isaiah Spiller or Tyler Algier, all these guys are pretty close together. For me, it's going to be Isaiah Spiller. You know how I feel about him. I do. I really like his talent coming out of Texas A&M. I like his situation. We talked about how Austin Eckler might be coming to the end of his career in the next mm-hmm. year or two. He can prove himself. That's a fun spot to be in. At this point, you're just – no, somewhat throwing darts and saying, hey, I'm taking guys that mm. have the potential. Maybe they could be something. He lines up perfectly in that kind of caliber. Plus, he doesn't turn like 21 until oh, like the week before the season. I think he might have been the youngest running back in this class. Really so not just not to sound like a weirdo at all, but he's still got some room to grow as a person. And like physically, he Already still has plenty of room to man. grow. Yeah. yeah big man. Uh, so moving to the two, three. No, I'm still not taking Christian Watson. I'll take a different wide receiver. I'll take Alec <laughs> Pierce. Uh, because my thing is, and this is where I differentiate them, because it was a conversation in my head between Watson and Pierce, but Alec Pierce has been on the field. He has, we have heard some decent things about him. We have heard that he's probably going to be starting on, you know, with, you know, three wide receiver sets, potentially two wide receiver sets just because of the stature. Um, and so that's where I would rather have Alec Pierce, even, even yes, it could be one magical ride with Aaron Rodgers with Christian Watson, but there's just been nothing that would instill confidence in me to take that. So I will take Alec Pierce at the 2-3 and be happy with life. But this is where I'll break the run. I'll take Christian Watson. The two, I'm okay four. with that. I and am. we're getting to the point now to where kind of going back to our Trey Burks conversation, despite how I feel about Christian Watson, I admit there is there is a distant dimension <laughs> to where I'm wrong about his talent and Aaron Rodgers loves him when he gets back from injury. He is Green Bay's number one, and he's a super stud. That mm-hmm. is a possible outcome, no matter how small I think it may be. When you get to the 204, the guys we're looking at, there's not really much anybody else that we're looking at that has that type of outcome. And so for that reason, take your chance. Take him yep. at 204. Feel happy about yourself. And I feel like, and we once again, we keep referencing that we've had this conversation before because you can go back and look at our previous rookie mock drafts that Jansen and I have done. Anytime we get to about the two five, it's you shrug your shoulders and pick your guy. Yeah. Because honestly, I feel like from this draft, like these 16 players that we have taken off of the board are probably the top 16 players that's in this draft. I don't think you're going to, anything is going to surprise anyone. Like unless someone like, you know, Zamir White or Brian Robinson, like they take over the running back role. But, you know, currently I'm, I'm not in a position to say there, even Ty Davis price, but I think at the two five, I'm going to slap down some, Thick boy Tyler Algier, just because what if he does get the Atlanta Falcons RB1 job yeah. and you get him at the 205? Congratulations. Trade him because it's not going to happen I, next I year. Getting a starting NFL running back at the 205 as a rookie. That's yeah. A lot of value right there. Yep. For me at this point, 106, I'll take David Bell. I know there's a ton of uncertainty with the Browns quarterback. But Look at next again, year, though. Another, yeah, sure. Another guy that I really like to tape on. Me too. And Amari Cooper is not going to play football forever. Nope. That's the guy that's getting up there in age. Didn't he so, already have like an ankle injury or something again? I, I haven't heard much about him this offseason, so maybe he has. I, I'm going to look um, it up. Um, but 
yeah, that's another thing where I'm taking the talent. I'm taking the opportunity to where he's got an opportunity to be a, a two, maybe a one here in a few years. Maybe Deshaun Watson gets the stuff figured out and he's got a good quarterback and he's up there on the depth chart. What's not to like? Yes. Amari Cooper has already injured one of his ankles in practice, just like Dallas and Oakland at the time. But anyways, I digress. But yes, David Bell, I feel like he's definitely a pick for like next year. For instance, like if you have a taxi squad, you draft him, you put him in your taxi squad. You don't care for a year because next year, you know, unless something really sideways happens with the Deshaun Watson case and stuff happens that we're just not currently aware of, Deshaun Watson will be his quarterback next year. That's a guy I will, like you said earlier, I'll, I'll hitch my wagon lap, baby girl. At 207, I'm actually going to slip on down here and I'll take a little bit of a surprise just because I can. I think Wandale Robinson. I previously yeah. was talking dump on him, but – the camp beat has been strong that Wandell's looked good. He's been running with the ones. He's getting snaps from the freaking running back position, a la your other boy, Debo Samuel. And to get that potential value at the 2 7, because what happens if Tony's not there? All of a sudden, he's a starter. I don't care if it's for the crappy Giants. He's still a freaking starting player on an NFL team. That means opportunities. I'm with you on that. Ooh, 208. This is where I keep saying that. This is where it really gets tough. Um, shoot. At this point, I'll take Jalen Tolbert. Um, like I said, despite the tough preseason performance, in my opinion, the camp reports have been good. He's ready made to at least start off as the two in Dallas until Michael Gallup comes back. That's a good offense. Third round pick. So at that point, you might as well take it. 208 is where I like him, man. Because remember, like, wasn't Kadarius Tony was like a mid second round pick last year, even though he was a first round NFL pick. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely potential there at two nine. I will actually break my heart and I'll take Brian Robinson because Antonio Gibson put the ball on the ground. I will admit you watch the film. It looked like it was just one of those. Well, crap. The defender made a really good tackle at the last second. Like Antonio was basically on the ground. And then all of a sudden a fist comes out of nowhere and bloop, knocks the ball out. Once again, we're playing the what ifs. What if Antonio Gibson, they're just done with him. They trade him. They get rid of him. Brian Robinson is going to be the guy they trot out there to plod for four yards carry. But guess what? He'll be plodding for four yards carry, which means opportunities. I'll take Zemir White. I'm a big Zemir White fan. One another guy. I almost took him just to spite you. Yeah. ACL tear derailed his college career. In high school. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. So with his talent that I – that I see on a decent offense. We'll see how long Josh Jacobs hang around. Uh, might as well go ahead and take him with two ten. See, and uh, I'm just gonna keep a running back streak alive. I'll take Ty Davis Price, one of the running backs for San Francisco. Once again, for after like the two oh four, you're playing the what if game. What if Eli Mitchell goes down? What if all of a sudden it's Ty Davis's time to shine? I mean, everyone was dumping on Elijah Mitchell last year, and look at him. He ended up being like a top fifteen fantasy running back. So I mean. And that offense just rotates, guys. But anyways, who's your 212? Well, I'll go ahead and get in the diversity, and we'll take a tight end. Number one tight end in this rookie class by far, Trey McBride, on a good offense. Zach Hurts can't have that much left in the tank. So probably pretty decent value to get him at the last pick of the second round. Yep, so we'll sprint through a second-round recap here, and then I'll ask you who your favorite player is that's left on the board who you could probably take in the third round. Uh Rashad White went to 2-1, Isaiah Spiller 2-2, Alec Pierce, then Christian Watson. The slide stopped with you, not me. I will emphasize that. Tyler Algier went to 2-5, followed by David Bell, Wandale Robinson, Jalen Tolbert, Brian Robinson at the 2-9, Zamir White 2-10, Ty Davis-Price at the 2-11, and then you decided to branch out and took Trey McBride, the tight end from Arizona, at the 2-12. So, Jans, looking at players who you could take in the third round, who currently probably has your heart? I think it's got to be Romeo. Uh, I gotta get the last name. Dobbs. Dobbs. Okay. I want to. I want to respect this man's name. Romeo Dobbs. It's probably who I like a lot in the third round. Once again, at this point, you're taking flyers on people that have potential. Good camp reports, and Rogers even gave him his seal of approval, which you know seems Rare. to make mean a lot. So they don't have a lot of dudes to throw the ball to. So. You know, why, not? why not Romeo Dobbs? Let's not talk about him too much. So let's keep his ADP low, okay? <laughs> People keep drafting him at his current position. Yeah. Um, I'll just mention Khalil Shakur because, I mean, heck, even in his preseason game, uh, he had he got five targets from 92 yards in his debut. I mean, he's another guy that all offseason has been getting some decent 
drum beat from camp. Uh, just keep your eyes open when it hits the third round. Stay on your toes. You're just drafting the, the absolute what if. Um, we'll post this on our Twitter. Um, and speaking of our Twitter, expert segue, I know. You can find us on Twitter at misfit underscore FF, or you can email us at the.misfit.ff at gmail.com, where we'll answer all of your fantasy questions. Gents, thank you so much for hopping on again. Can't wait to keep unleashing our scrolls of disagreement on players on the world it's so they can enjoy it. Oh, we need to get a page. We could publish this to the world. <laughs> Call a lot of fun content the, in there. The scrolls of fighting. But <laughs> as always, once again, thank you for joining us. Leave us a five-star review. Rate us on whatever podcast you're from, or whatever platform you're listening from. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you next time.